Mark 16, verse 15. I think we'll call this today, Teamwork Makes the Dream Work. You know, the Lord has a dream to reach this world. Amen? Before Jesus left, he gave what we call the Great Commission. You can read about it in Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and the first chapter of Acts. And I like the one in Mark because that fits my calling. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. Amen? What a powerful statement. What a powerful command. Something to focus on for your life. To go into all the world and preach the good news. Amen? Jesus Christ is good news for the world. Amen? Go into all the world and preach the gospel. Well, why do we need, first of all, why do we need a gospel? Well, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Everything was created right. Everything was perfect. Everything was wonderful. And then the Bible tells us that he created man. And when he created man, he created us right. He created us perfect. Uh, there was not a sin problem in the garden. There was not a uh, Corruption. There was not sin. There was not social problems. There was not breakdown in the marriage. There was, you know, there was blessing there. He blessed them. Amen? He blessed them and he gave them dominion. And so God did not set up a world full of problems and disease and, and wars and fighting and all these things that we see in the world today. And I tell you, a lot of people are confused by what's going on in the world today. They see all the problems. They see, you know, uh, somebody walking into a school with an automatic rifle and, and uh, just wiping out kids that just went to school to learn. They see, you know, uh, religious fanatics blowing people up. They see, you know, murder and rape and wars and all these problems. And they say, God, where are you? What, what's going on? Why does God allow this? But the idea behind that is that people think that God is the one that's, you know, pulling all the strings because we know, we know God's almighty. He's all powerful. He is almighty God. And then people think, well, if God's almighty and he's a God of love, why does he allow all these things? But you see, it goes back to the beginning. It goes back to the garden. God didn't make things like this, but he made man to have dominion. He gave us a dominion in this earth. He gave us a choice, you know? He did not make us to be robots. And so, yes, there's a sovereignty of God, but there's also a sovereignty of man. We have a choice to make whether we're going to follow God. And God put Adam and Eve in that garden, you know, and he gave them everything that they needed, and he told them, you know, what to do and what not to do. <laughs> and he said, don't eat that tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So there was something there that he said, don't do, because it's going to cause you troubles. And the day that you eat thereof, you will die. Now, they didn't die physically. They died spiritually. And that's what we've got. We've got a whole world of people that are dead spiritually. And so that's why we have all these problems. And we've got a lot of people that are going to be separated from God throughout eternity because God did not make us to be zombies. God did not make us to be robots. We have to follow him with a free will. But God in his mercy sent his only son into this world. Praise God. Jesus Christ came into this world not to create another world religion, 
but to bring life and to bring life more abundantly. He came to bring healing to the brokenness of people. He came to put us back together, amen, by the power of the Father, amen. And Jesus Christ came, and, you know, he taught many things, and he did many miracles, and his life was just so awesome. I love to read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. But then he went to the cross. They nailed him to a cross, and on that cross... He died. He paid the penalty for our sins. He literally took the punishment that you and I deserved on himself on that cross so that we could be forgiven and we could be reinstated in our relationship with God. And spiritually, we could be reunited with God and we could have new life. That's why we need the gospel because man was separated from God. Man was broken. But Jesus came that we might have life and life more abundantly. So Jesus died on that cross. He suffered. And that's what this season is all about. You know, next week is is Easter, and we like to call it Resurrection Sunday. Praise God. Jesus not only died, but he rose again. Hallelujah. And he is alive. Praise God. That's why those miracles took place in Benin. I just put a couple on the video, but there was many, many miracles that took place there. I was, you know, that uh, the little church with the, the pillars in the roof. <laughs> Did you notice that? I, I turned to Fran and said, that's the country church. As that was, a, you know, we were preaching in the city. By the way, the city we were preaching in <clears throat> was 120,000 people, and they had no gas station. Can you imagine that? <laughs> they have these little roadside stands with, with like, uh, uh, well, be like we would think of as quart bottles, but they were liter bottles of gasoline. So people would buy these little quarts and pour into their car or their, or their motorcycles. A lot of motorcycles there. But anyway, that's a little side issue. But we went out of the city, out to this rural church, and by the time we got there, it was dark. I'm, I'm using my cell phone to read the text in the Bible. And I preached on the woman with the issue of blood and about healing and the gospel, how Jesus died, that we could have life that we, and that we could have healing in our lives. And I gave an invitation for salvation. And a bunch of people raised their hand, but I said, now I only want those that are, have never received Christ or receiving Christ for the first time today. And we had only one person came. It's a small church, small group. And so this lady came, and, and she received Jesus as her Lord, and, and we prayed with her. And then the Lord gave me a word for that the people that were there because we were in a real stronghold, a real voodoo stronghold. By the way, voodoo is like a idol worship. I always thought of it as like witchcraft. It's witchcraft, but it's the real root of it is idol worship. They're, they're worshiping demons, and they do animal sacrifices, and they have priests, and they have witch doctors and things like that. But anyway, the Lord gave me a word that there were people there. Yeah, they were Christians. They had accepted Jesus as their Savior, they, they, spiritually, they had been uni- reunited with the Lord, but their minds and their emotions were all messed up still from the voodoo background. They needed some deliverance. And so about 10 people came forward, and we prayed for them and, and prayed for deliverance uh, for them over uh, the demonic powers on them. You know, a person can be a Christian and still be afflicted by the devil. Because you have to take authority over those things. You have to take the authority that God has given us in Christ, you know, and use your authority. The person could be born again and still be harassed in their mind. And you might think, well, I'm not really saved. I'm having all these, these imaginations and I'm all goofed up. Well, 
You just need to use your authority in that realm of the soul, see. So we prayed and had them confess things and, and believe that they were set free. And then we began to minister to sick people, and they just started coming, and we prayed for them. Then afterwards, we'd ask. You know, they came with pains. Every single person in that meeting that we prayed for said that their symptoms and their pain was gone. Praise the Lord. Uh, I can only think about three times where I've seen that before, that, that, you know, you just knew every single person. It was so powerful. So Jesus is alive. Amen. Folks, Jesus is alive. Amen. Jesus is alive in the country church. Amen. I want you to see Jesus alive in your church. Praise God. I want you to come to church expecting him to move. Amen. Expecting more and more people to come to the Lord, more and more people to be restored. Amen. More and more people to know the forgiveness that's in Christ Jesus. You know, and one of, the, one of the other things, too, for Christians, okay? I'm talking to Christians here some this morning. Uh, is the blood of Jesus. When Jesus died on the cross, what did he do? He shed his blood. Through that blood is what the forgiveness. It says in Ephesians, through his blood we have the forgiveness of sins or the remission of sins. We are forgiven. We need to live in a recognition of the blood of Jesus because that is where the power is that we know that we've been forgiven. There's too many Christians walking in condemnation. There's too many people that are not being empowered by what Jesus did for them. On that cross, he shed, he shed his blood so we could be reconciled to the Father. And if we're reconciled to the Father then we have access to the Father and all that the Father has. Do you know the Bible says it's your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Your Father wants to give you the good things of the kingdom. You know, if your natural Father knows how to give you good gifts, how much more shall your heavenly Father give good things to them that ask him? Amen? So we have a heavenly father and we have forgiveness and we've been made children of God. And I'll tell you what, it's something something to shout about, praise God. It's so exciting what the Lord has done through the gospel. This, folks, is not religion we're talking about. We're talking about life and life more abundantly. We're talking about a Jesus who saves to the uttermost, praise God. That's when being a Christian gets exciting, when you really just see what the gospel really means. Amen? You know, and there's so many folks, it seems like they want to run out ahead into some deeper truth beyond the gospel. But folks, the gospel is it. Everything's built on the gospel. Praise God. There really is no deeper truth. <laughs> One time I remember some guy, this preacher, he had something against me, and he, he says, well, I, I preach more than John 3.16, he said. I got, I got a little more depth. Well, praise God. I want to tell you something. There's nothing wrong with John 3.16. For God so loved the world. He gave, he gave, he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him, whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Oh, we have life, everlasting life. 
starting today. Folks, don't wait till you get to heaven to have life. <laughs> it's today. There's life in Jesus Christ. Amen? He's alive. Praise God. He's alive. He's alive. He's alive. And he's in you. So start living like it. Start enjoying life. Start enjoying what God has for you in Christ Jesus. Amen. I love that. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. That's the commission on my life. That is my mission. Praise God. And I, I couldn't think of anything I would rather do. Amen? I, I could have went to school for years and years and become an MD maybe or, or, a, or, or a psychiatrist or psychologist and try to help people. But there's nothing more helpful than this message that God gave us to give to the world about reconciliation to him. That's what the world needs. That's, see, that's the whole, that's every issue goes back to that. And it's so exciting to me that, you know, here I can go to Benin and preach to these people that are, many of them are illiterate. And yet I've got the message that's the answer to everything. And they can receive it. You know, little children or peasant farm workers or whatever, they can receive the most profound message in the whole world and their life can be changed. Praise God. And the same thing can happen with somebody with a PhD. Amen? Because we all have a heart that came from God that's estranged from him. And through that gospel, we're reconciled back to him. So I'm excited about preaching the gospel. This is God's dream. Teamwork makes the dream work. God's dream is to reach people. Amen? And he has put this dream in you and I to be part of it, to be united with him in this cause, in this purpose. Amen? It's greater than anything. It's, you know, and, and I'm not putting down being in politics, but there's no political job that could be better than what I do. Amen? There's nothing better than preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Jesus said unto them, his disciples, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. He didn't say, uh, this message is for Tom Shanklin. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. This is for Fran. Amen? This is, uh, this is for every one of us. This is for Sean. And, and, you know, God, this is for Donna. Praise God. You know, we've got a message. Praise God. He said, go ye into all the world. And by the way, Ruthton's part of the world. Thank God for Ruthton. I was just rereading uh, Henry Vanderbush's book, you know. Or, well, Rhonda wrote, Henry wrote some too. And uh, that he was born four, four miles from here. Is that right? Yeah. And you talk about teamwork makes the dream work. Here's Henry Vanderbush and Pastor Rich united, and now we have a church. It's teamwork, right? It all goes back to that barn revival. And Henry said, well, all these people are getting saved. We have to disciple them. They need, a, they need you know, some means, and then they started a Bible study, and, and now here we are. Amen. Folks, teamwork makes the dream work. Amen. And that was the thing that was impressed upon me when I was in Benin, of course, it, it, it's not a new message, but it was just so impressed on me that how through working together, we can see great results. Amen. 
Because we had, I worked with another evangelist from the United States, and he lives in Dallas, and of course I live in Minnesota, and we got on planes, and somewhere along the line over in Belgium, we connected, and we flew into Benin, West Africa, and worked together. He's 36 years old. Praise God. And I learned things from him. Amen? Teamwork makes the dream work. And you know, there was somebody that cared about the, him, as, as a young, even a younger man, named T.L. Osborne, a world evangelist, very renowned world evangelist, took this young man under his wing and took him on a mission trip to, I think it was Guatemala or Honduras, and let him preach the gospel. And so, you see, the teamwork makes the dream work. Too many people are not understanding the value of working with others, or discipling others, or taking somebody under your wing and, and, and nurturing them in their ministry. Praise God. So T.L. Osborne took him on this mission trip, and, and this, this young man, Michael Lusk, who I worked with, became like a protege of T.L. Osborne. And he learned some really valuable lessons about evangelism and how to organize a crusade and how to reach people for Christ. And some of those lessons I learned when I was in Benin. So it's so great. And so the two of us went over there, and then we connected with the team while we were there, which was uh, an apostle and two pastors and then two interpreters to interpret, of course, our, our, our messages. And then there also there was a driver that helped us, praise God, and he doubled as a photographer. So that was our team. I guess there was six of them and two of us. And then there were 60 churches that we worked with. And the churches had organized this before, and they actually raised the money for the local expenses, which is unusual for uh, third world countries. But they raised the money for the, for the building, to rent the building, to rent the PA, to rent the lighting. And all the local expenses were actually covered by these churches in uh, Lalo, uh, Africa. Teamwork makes the dream work. And then not to mention the country church and all the other partners of our ministry that really helped us to go because we couldn't go without that. So you see, by uniting, by organizing, we're able to accomplish much more. We had, uh, I think it was 1,462 decision cards were filled out, people that said that they had received Jesus Christ in the festival. And there was actually many, many more because they didn't have time to to get them all filled out. There was many people that came to the Lord. There was much fruit. And then we've heard back already that people are coming into the churches as a result uh, of the ministry. So the churches are discipling the people that came in. So teamwork makes the dream work. And it's the same in the local church. You know, the more that we can work together and cooperate, the more fruit that we'll see. And, you know, sometimes what happens is we have a different viewpoint because of our background or even because of our spiritual makeup. And so we become at odds with one another and we have different opinions. But when it really is, is that we have a little different calling. And if we'll understand that and we'll work together, we can see much fruit. For example, I've, I've run across this many times that people will be, that people that are really enthused about discipleship, you know what I mean by that? By teaching Christians how to be, how to live for the Lord. And they, you know, they, that's their 
That's their passion. That's their heartbeat. Well, sometimes they'll be critical of the evangelist because, oh, the evangelist just comes in, blows up, blow, you know, blows in, blows up, and blows out, you know, and preaches the gospel, and all these people pray for salvation, and then he's gone. Well, yeah, that's his job. Amen? Your job is to follow up and disciple them. Amen? So you see what I'm saying? We can, by cooperating, because of our different, yeah, if, you're, if God has put that passion in you for discipleship, well, then you do everything you can to follow up on those people that that evangelist prayed with. Amen? And work together with them. Amen? It's the same way some people are really given to uh, helps ministry. They, they just, they're just workers in the church. And sometimes they'll be critical uh, of the rest of us that don't work as hard as they do. Amen? But you see, everybody has a little different emphasis. Everybody has a little different part. And if we understand that and we work together, it will produce fruit for the kingdom of God. Amen? So we've got to be united. What do we unite around? We unite, we unite around Jesus Christ. And we unite around his cause, which is the Great Commission. Amen. And if we read on down here in, the, in Mark 16, it says, well, first of all, it says, he that believes and is baptized shall be saved. He that believes not shall be damned. That tells us how important it is, what we're doing, is it is a matter of life and death. As Susan said, it's either up or down. Amen. It's not just about how, you know, being churchy. It's about being saved from eternal damnation. And then he goes on, he said, these signs shall follow them that believe. So, um, like I said, we're not peculiar. We're normal because <laughs> this is the way we're supposed to be. We're supposed to believe in signs. Amen. And we're supposed to have signs. Signs follow us. And uh, what are they? Well, we cast out devils, we heal the sick, and so forth. And then in the 19th verse, it says, So then after the Lord had spoken unto them, everybody say them, he was received up into heaven and sat on the right hand of God. And verse 20, and they, everybody say they, and they went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them, everybody say them, and confirming the word with signs following. What I want you to notice there is every time he uses a pronoun there, it's a plural pronoun. Amen? It's always together. It's, it's you guys. <laughs> and if you guys, us guys, if usins go forth, amen, and we preach, and what are we to preach? We're to preach about Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection and how people can be born again. If we preach that message, what's he going to do? He'll do his part and confirm the word with signs following. He'll do miracles. And those miracles just demonstrate that he's alive. And they show his compassion. Praise God. So, folks, teamwork makes the dream work. Amen? And just remember, everybody's a little bit different. Amen? So, you let me be me. Praise God. I'll blow in, blow up, and blow out. <laughs> and you just stay in the trenches and make disciples, and then we're going to do a work for the Lord. Amen? Because, see, that's what God put in my heart. Amen? I can't be like you. If I try to be like you, I just cause trouble. i got to be like me, and you've got to be like you. Amen? And then we, as we work together and we cooperate, we'll see much fruit. So 
So I'm going to talk to you this morning about uh, five very important people for world evangelism. Five people. Everybody say five. five. Short sermon, only five points. Five very important people for world evangelism. All right? Number one, the evangelist. I mean, you would agree the evangelist is important for world evangelism. The evangelist is a very important part of the body of Christ, as it tells us in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. And he, that is Jesus, gave gifts, first apostles, secondarily prophets, then evangelists, then pastors and teachers, five different gifts. These are anointed ministry gifts. These are the preachers and teachers. These are the leadership gifts in the body of Christ. And the Bible said there's five of them. You know, some people, the only thing that they understand is pastors. But folks, there's more than just pastors. There's five different gifts that according, how many believe the word of God here? Five gifts. Amen. Or some will say, well, yes, we have evangelists and we have pastors and teachers, but No, we don't have apostles and prophets anymore. Well, where do you find that in the Bible? The only place you found that is in some misguided seminary where they teach you a lie because we still have apostles. Now, we don't have the apostles of the Lamb, the 12 apostles of the Lamb, but we still have apostles. Apostles simply means sent ones. Apostles are missionaries that are sent forth to establish the kingdom in a certain region or area. And many of our missionaries are apostles because they have a leadership role to bring forth the kingdom, you know, in the earth through their ministry. Paul was an apostle. He was an ascent one. He was sent into different areas and he established churches and he would pastor those churches for a short time. Most of the time he would go in and he would start out, he would evangelize. The apostle does many different things. He's a jack of all trades. Amen. We remember that in 1 Corinthians, it talks about Paul, how when he came to them, he determined not to know anything among them but Christ and him crucified. So what does that mean? He preached the simple, evangelistic, gospel message of the cross, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ to them because that's the only way they could be saved. But then he stayed and he ministered to them and discipled them and established the church. That's what an apostle does. And then there's prophets. I'm not going to go into all the details, but I just kind of felt led to share about the apostles' ministry because you hear this a lot of of times. People say, well, we don't have that anymore. But there's there's nothing in the Bible that says we don't have it anymore. We still have, you know, if you read down in that scripture, it says, uh, till we all come to the knowledge of Christ, you know, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Have we arrived yet? We still need all the gifts, amen? In fact, folks, we need all the help we can get, amen? Amen? So, I mean, now there's been a lot of miscarriage and deception and and goofy teaching along with the area of the apostles. Some people, then I am the apostle over this area. Everyone must answer to me. It's a bunch of garbage. God made us all to be servants, amen? And so, anyway, that's another topic. But the point I wanted to make is this, these gifts are given. And one of them is the evangelist. And the evangelist's specialty is to preach the gospel. 
Amen. Henry Vanderbush was an evangelist. If he would have tried to be a pastor, it probably would have been a real mess. <laughs> he might have lost his voice. <laughs> right? So you got to stick with your calling. Amen? What's the evangelist do? He preaches the gospel. Amen? The other, the other aspect of the evangelist ministry is to teach the body of Christ how to win the lost and to stir up that enthusiasm for reaching the lost and to remind us of our mission to reach the lost for Jesus Christ. That's the ministry of the evangelist. So it's very important. It's very important in world evangelism, number one, the evangelist. You would see the evangelist ministry modeled in Acts chapter 8 when Philip went down to Samaria. And what did he do? Preached Christ unto them. And the people gave heed unto him, hearing this and seeing what the miracles which he did. So miracles follow that ministry, and God uses that uh, to reach people for him. So the first VIP is the evangelist. The second VIP is those who do the work of an evangelist. And uh, I want to get the reference here so I get it right. In 2 Timothy 4, 5, Paul, writing to Timothy, who was a pastor, said, do the work of an evangelist. Do the work of an evangelist. Now, Timothy was not an evangelist. He was a pastor. Amen? But he did the work of an evangelist. So not only did he pastor, but he did the work of an evangelist, which is what? Reaching the lost and teaching the body how to win souls. Amen? Here's the pastor. Amen? But he does the work of an evangelist. <laughs> I mean, you know, I've heard people say that, you know, about the gift of God that's upon this man's life to present the gospel of Jesus Christ. Thank God for that. And you know what? Every minister... I believe this is true. Every minister, it doesn't matter if you're apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher, should know how to preach the gospel, give an invitation, win souls for Jesus Christ. Thank you for those two amens. <laughs> I said every minister, doesn't matter if you're apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher, should know how to present the gospel and give an invitation and win people to Jesus Christ. Amen. Praise God. So that's the, that's the second VIP. Now, the third VIP, by the way, do you all know your VIPs? You're going to find yourself in here somewhere. The third VIP for the world evangelism is witnesses. Witnesses. Acts chapter 1, verse 8 said, You shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. So bring it, bring it down home here. You shall be witnesses unto me in Ruthton, Pipestone, Minnesota, the United States, Benin, and all throughout the whole world. Amen? You know, and by the way, it's not an either or. You know? Now, here again, we're all different. See? God might have put it in your heart, hey, we need to minister in Ruthton. You know, it may not be the biggest thing on your agenda to reach Benin, West Africa. And you know what? That might be just all right because maybe that's what God put in your heart. Amen? We've got to reach the whole world. How many know Ruthton's part of the world? Amen? Pipestone's part of the world. See? So it's not an either or. It's both and. 
He said, you shall receive power. When? When the Holy Spirit comes upon you. When he baptizes you with, with the Holy Spirit, amen, you'll receive power to be what? Witnesses. Folks, everybody in the body of Christ is called to be a witness. That's why I said you're a VIP. Amen? You're, very, you're a very important person for world evangelism. Everybody say, I am a very important person for world evangelism. All right, now poke somebody and say, you are a very important person for world evangelism. All right. All right, now, so that's, we got three. We got two to go. The next one is the disciple makers. The disciple makers. Deci- thank God for disciple makers. You know, Billy Graham, he had this great evangelistic ministry. And, and of course, he just went home to be with the Lord. And they were winning a lot of souls. But he recognized the need for discipleship. Now, he was not called to discipleship, but he was having these great meetings and all these churches cooperating, and he recognized the need. So he got together with some folks from the Navigators. The Navigators, their disciple-making group. And they helped him to put together a program so that when people come to the Lord, they could be discipled. And so not only that, but before they had the crusades, they went in and they had meetings with the Christians to disciple them and help them to know how to live the Christian life and how to be witnesses and how to reach out to their neighbors and so on. So discipleship is a key. There again, we can't be at odds with one another because we have a little different emphasis. We need to work together. Amen? Jesus said, go into all the world and make disciples. Amen? What's a disciple? It's a learner, a follower of Jesus Christ. And, and, you know, I thank God for ministries like that. I think of of Gary. He's got that teaching ministry on Saturdays. And others of you, I think, probably have that inside of you to teach. You know, go with that. You're needed. Amen? And and, uh, disciple make, because, you know, we, we can't just bring people into the kingdom of God and just leave them lay there. (laughs) <laughs> they need, just like little babies, they need to be nurtured. They need to be fed the milk of the word and, and help them to grow. So that's for VIPs. Now, number five are the supporters. The supporters. Supporters are very important for the kingdom of God. You know, I think of Benin. Uh, I don't know what the time was between when we decided to go to Benin or when I decided to go to Benin and when we actually left, but it was a very short time. I think there was actually only one newsletter that we sent out that had an appeal in it for funds for Benin. You know, it all came in abundantly. Thank God. You know, the scripture said in Romans chapter 10 that whosoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. In other words, whoever hears this message of salvation and calls on the name of the Lord, makes Jesus their Lord, and believes in him as their Savior, they will be saved. Amen? He said, he said, how shall they call on him of whom they have not heard? How shall they call on him whom they have, if they haven't heard the message? There's many people that we spoke to in Benin that had not heard the message before. How could they call on him if they haven't heard? And how shall they hear 
without a preacher. And then you know what it says? How shall they preach unless they be sent? And they need to be sent. They need to be sent of the Lord, and they need to be sent of the body of Christ. We need to have a sending mentality, you know, to send out laborers. Jesus said, pray the Lord of the harvest that he would send laborers into the harvest. Amen. I pray that God would send laborers out of this church. Amen. I believe country church has so much potential. I believe this church. Amen. I I think, you know, we've got to take the lid off our thinking. I was talking the other night about Abraham and how God kept talking to Abraham to take the limits off his thinking, you know. He took him out. He says, he says, walk the land. It's all yours. He says, your seed will be like the dust of the earth. By the way, how many granules of dust are there on the earth anyway? <laughs> then another time he says, look at the stars. Your seed will be like the stars of the sky. How many stars are there, Dean? The scientists can't figure it out. Unlimited. Folks, take the limit off your thinking. What God can do with your life. Amen? You may see it as just such a small thing. Praise God. But it's a big thing. The seeds that we plant, they multiply. In April, I'm going to be having a conference. We're going to call it Next Generation Conference. And I'll be one of the speakers. And there's another young man that will be a speaker there. He's 38 years old. In the first church that we pastored, he was three years old. He was right there. His family was right there. I had something to do. (laughs) The seeds that we planted back then are growing today. You see that? The seeds that you're planting... They keep growing and growing and growing and growing and growing. Abraham didn't see all those stars during his lifetime, but they're still growing and growing and growing. Take the lid off your thinking, country church. Amen? God can do mighty things for you and through you. Praise the Lord. Supporters. Supporters are important. When I got the invitation for Benin, I told my wife about it. She said, you should go. I thought, that's pretty strange. I mean, she knows what it means for me to be away. I mean, neither one of us really liked to be apart. And she knew it would be me going. But she said, you should go. Because she knew that what God had put on my heart for evangelism. And so, so I went and she wrote the article in the newsletter. Um, what do we call it? Staying by the stuff. How, how David, David's men, some of them stayed by the stuff, and they got the same reward. And you see, so supporters get the same reward because they're just as important because you can't do it without them. Amen? So, folks, teamwork makes the dream work. That's, that's uh, one of the main thoughts. The other main thought is you have a part. You have a part in evangelizing the world, starting right here. So get happy, amen? You have purpose. Jesus said, pray the Lord of the harvest that he would send laborers to the harvest field. God wants you 
God wants you. God, God needs you. <laughs> and some people don't like that either. Oh, God doesn't need anybody. Well, why is he looking for your help then? Why does he give you all these, tell you all these things to do if he doesn't need you? God needs you. I was reading this morning about the Palm Sunday story, you know, how, how uh, Jesus told him to go get the donkey. And, and, and uh, he said, if they ask you about it, just tell them the Lord has need of them. The Lord has need of you. Yeah. Rich DeRider. I call you Rich DeRider, Jr. I like <laughs> The Lord has need of you. Folks, Bill, the Lord has need of you. Some of us think we're too old. That's the lie of the devil, too. Some of us think we're too young. I mean, the devil's always come, coming up with something. You have divine purpose. Amen? Your life is valuable. You're in a great big army. You're working with the Lord. Your labor is together with the Lord. The Lord working with them, confirming the word with signs following. We're in this together, folks. And there's so much more. Take the lid off your thinking. In Jesus' name, praise God. We pray you have been blessed and encouraged by this message from Tom Shanklin Ministries. Tom Shanklin Ministries is reaching the world with the good news of Jesus Christ. We invite you to become part of this worldwide evangelistic outreach through your prayers and financial support. To request our free monthly newsletter, you can reach Tom Shanklin Ministries at 507-407-HELP. That's 507-407-4357. Visit Tom Shanklin Ministries online at tomshanklin.org or send cards and letters to Tom Shanklin Ministries, P.O. Box 4144, Mankato, Minnesota, 56002.